Welcome to Ludus Capital's podcast, Frontier X. Every week, we will dive deep with current and former professional athletes and hear the stories of how they transition from the field, the court, the ice, the arena, the ballpark, to where they are now. We will hear the stories of how they ignited their non-sports passions, how they cut through the business complexities of their athletic careers, and how they found new unicorns in both their lives and portfolios. I'm your host, Matilda Sung, General Partner at Ludus Capital. I will often be joined by my co-GP, Sam Lee, or any of our venture partners, including Chris Miner and Amith Bodaju. Without further ado, now let's get on to the show. Today, we will be chatting with David Anderson, founder of Breakaway Data. Dave is a former NFL wide receiver who spent over five years playing for the Houston Texans. He has also spent time with the Washington Commanders, formerly known as the Redskins, and the Denver Broncos. Having always been a cerebral person, Dave went on to get his MBA from USC, University of Southern California, after playing. He would eventually establish Breakaway Data, a platform focused on putting intelligent data back into the hands of the athletes it had collected from. Dave and I actually met a few years ago, and we quickly became fast friends over the expensive green juice we had by the beach and our back and forth debates on where the puck would be headed in our world of media and data science. I invite you listeners today to join in and tell us what you think about the future of sports and data. So great to see you today, Dave. I think it's been about two years since Super Bowl out in LA. So welcome back. It's great to, to be back in touch. Good to be back. We got a never as fun as Super Bowl weekends in Los Angeles, but we'll be all right. There's a lot, Vegas is this year, so maybe we'll we'll reconvene in Vegas, you know. That would be fun. Absolutely, we need to reconvene in Vegas because LA was fun, but you know, nothing like a Vegas Super Bowl. So although I'm I'm a little worried about the thing about Super Bowl weekends is they're like seven days, and no one wants to be in Vegas for seven days. You want to be in Vegas for like 48 hours. So. I don't know. I'm a little worried about people lasting that long during Super Bowl week as it is. Mm-hmm. Fair yeah, point. Prep, prep up, do some IVs, get your electrolytes. <laughs> uh, your no, so so great that you're on today. Our audience always gets pumped up to hear the transition from NFL athletes, athletes in general, pro athletes, transitioning into business. So our audience is very excited about today's topic. Great. Yeah, I'd be excited. It's, uh, it'll be fun to talk about. I'm Still in the middle of it. I feel like a transition never ends to a degree, but yeah. Yeah, the life of uh, a CEO and founder. I mean, at the transition, the graph is, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. Let's get started. Can you walk us through your transition? Let's go all the way back to Colorado State University. Let's go back to CSU, to the NFL as a player, six years, three teams, to being the co-founder, CEO of Breakaway Data. Sure. So... Let's see, I graduated high school in 2002, uh, which is weird to say now. I uh, went to Colorado State over some better schools as uh, uh, against the, the advice of my mom and dad. Uh, but my, my goal was always to be like a Stanford kid growing up. I thought I was going to go play football and go to school at Stanford. And then Tyron Willingham left for Notre Dame. So that, there went my scholarship. And then I think same one for Cal and some other schools that I was looking at. But Colorado State was the first school that ever offered me a scholarship. I really liked Sonny Lubick when I went there. Uh, I really enjoyed it. They brought out a bunch of the academic advisors when I was there, which is, they said, pretty unique to Colorado State, which is kind of funny. And I fell in love with a, a woman named Ann Gill, who would end up being my advisor at the Liberal Arts College. 
And while I was kind of heavy in math in high school, I didn't want to major in math or major in computer science in, in college. It just doesn't really mix well with football. Uh, measured, uh, majored in liberal arts and speech communication, which hopefully helps me out on this interview. But yeah, I went, just went there at Colorado State, four year or three and a half years there, graduated uh, a semester early and uh, broke a bunch of records when I played there. I left school as the leading receiver, all-time leading receiver, and then got drafted in the seventh round by the Houston Texans. That was 2006. That was Gary Kubiak's first year, the fourth year of the Texans' existence. So a lot of people in Los Angeles didn't even know who the Houston Texans were. They used to say like, oh, congratulations, you guys just beat USC in the Rose Bowl. I was like, no, that's Texas, but we are, uh, we're a real NFL team. We got, you know, pay, they pay us to play. We got people in the stands and cheerleaders and mascots, all this stuff. So it was on the Texans from 2006 to 2012. Uh, had a brief cup of coffee with the Broncos and then finished my career on the Redskins uh, with Kyle Shanahan and that whole team. So kind of the way professional sports works to a degree is you end up in like a family tree. If you try to follow football really closely, there's the numbers system, which is kind of North Turner's. And that's like they call a play a certain way. They call a defense a certain way. And then there's the West Coast offense, which is Kyle Shanahan, which is formerly Mike Shanahan, which is formerly Bill Walsh. And they call a play a certain way. And then there was what the, the Patriots do, which is like a mix of the two, of course. And I had been in all three systems. And so I could speak all the languages in the NFL. So I was a valuable player. And then, which allowed me to bounce to a different couple of different teams. But yeah, I was, you know, part, part of that. When I see Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, D'Amico Ryans, all those guys being NFL coaches, those were guys that were quality control coaches or peon graduate assistants or D'Amico Ryans I was drafted with in 2006. So these are the guys that I kind of quote unquote grew up in the league with that, that are now uh, head coaches, which is fun to see. I finished in 2013 was the uh, real kind of official year that uh, my retirement started. After which I went to business school, uh, did full-time, got my full-time MBA uh, in Southern California at USC. I went back to my roots in data science and uh, data analytics and math. And the first job I had out of business school was at Second Spectrum. I was uh, the sixth employee at a startup started by two AI research professors at USC. Second Spectrum was just a just an analytics idea at that point, really. We were selling to a couple of NBA teams, one of them being the Clippers and the Mavericks. And the, I think at that time we had the Celtics and the Spurs. All the best teams were getting into this tracking space. So basically right now in every sport, they track where and when a player moves. And the reason you do that is you can understand that's when they talk about load in the NBA. That's what we were doing. Is if I know how far you run and how often you do that, I can measure how much energy you're essentially expending at any given time and, and that adds up to a load measurement we were, the, we were kind of the first to do that and that company grew to 80 people we sold uh, i left right before they sold but we ended up selling that company to genius sports which is publicly traded and then uh, for a while i was just kind of a consultant trying to figure out what my next uh, move was and we started breakaway data with my co-founder steve Guerra. we realized that everyone in this space was building technology and data for the leagues and teams and what I meant by built by them, I don't necessarily just mean selling to them. I meant built with them in mind, build a product for them. And I realized that at this time, you had precision medicine, which was going direct to consumer. So they were building products for the direct to consumer. You had Apple watches were taken off and people were paying more attention to their own health and athletes were wearing it in games. 
you had whoop come around and people are wearing those in games and then you obviously had the tracking data that i was a part of and there's all this money ball explosion and i was like well the athlete seems to be the one on the outside of this situation i wonder, wonder if they're ever going to get their data and so that's what we help do so breakaway data is our our platform is about giving the athlete back and access to their information and then once they have all of that we come up with creative ways how to monetize it and uh, we've been successful in that been around be our third year really kind of uh, moving and grooving with breakaway and as you as you were right uh the transition is like this but so is the the startup world it's uh, uh you gotta you gotta get off the roller coaster when you're the ceo and just try to ride it no matter how high it is or how low it is just kind of kind of ride it out but uh it's been fun and, and and my my career in sports has certainly helped dealing with a lot of the the things i see today as a ceo yeah, I was just going to, I could only imagine some of the skill set, mindset that you had to have as an athlete, a professional athlete, how it helped you prepare. Some things probably directly correlated, some things you just had to figure out the hard way. But walk us through kind of some of the skill sets or mindsets or mindset that the NFL prepared you for being a CEO. You got to be mentally tough because the majority of people are going to tell you no. When you raise money, they're going to tell you no. When they hear about your product, they're going to tell you no. When they're going to see your product working, they're going to tell you no. And so it's a lot of no's. And when I was going up telling everyone I was going to play in the NFL, they're like, you're a 5'11 white dude. You're not playing in the NFL. And so you just ignore them and move on. And then you prove them wrong stage and stage and stage and time and time again. And then you get to a point where everyone, you see everyone in high school and they're like, I knew you were going to make it. I knew uh, you were the best on our team. I knew you were going to play in the NFL. And I wanted to go back and be like, I want that progressive commercial where I can go and rewind and be like, why don't you, you had, there was a time when you could have told me I was going to make it. I believe you said the exact opposite, but you just let those go away. And so I'd say the first thing in preparation, you've got to be mentally tough. The second thing is really like, I always tell guys this is while you don't have the business acumen as a lot of guys do because you spent your 20s and maybe if you're lucky enough, your early 30s playing professional sports. So your kind of business IQ might be a little less. Your emotional and EQ is off the charts. And it's like that of like a 60-year-old because when I first got in the NFL, the player to my left was Mark Bruner. He was in year 13 in the NFL. He had three children. He was on the last year of his career. There was obviously things that were way more important in life to him than uh, running around and, and running into people. He certainly didn't care about, he wasn't a single male out doing the, what single male do in the NFL, right? So like he had his goals and initiatives, which were way different. And he went to UW, was a first round pick out of University of Washington and like had been to a bunch of graduate school education stuff and was the first person to tell me about business outside of the NFL. And then to my right, was Jacoby Jones. And Jacoby was Tulane College, didn't graduate, could care less about some of this stuff, was just from, you know, backwoods, Louisiana, amazing human, but you have to navigate, you're sitting in between those two people and you have to navigate that. And, and, and the one caveat that I would say that makes it even extra interesting is the transparency is like, that, that transparency doesn't exist in the business world. I knew exactly how much they made. I knew exactly how many reps they get in practice. I knew exactly what they were supposed to do. I heard every meeting they've ever been in. I know what the coaches expect them to do. You don't get that in the business world. You don't sit next to your engineer 
and know exactly what they're supposed to do, know exactly what their deliverables look like, know exactly how much they get paid. Like all that stuff is is, is kept secret. And, and so you deal with these transparencies, you deal with these problems and these issues that really help you grow up fast. Not to mention you get paid really well to start off with. So a lot of times you become the biggest breadwinner in your family and you buy a house at 22 years old and you deal with mortgage payments and lease payments. And I mean, I was I was overdrafting nine dollars at Colorado State. You go from that to like now all of a sudden you're buying a house. It's it's like a wildly different world that you're like it's like they should do financial literacy. I'm like there's no chance, it's never going to work. So anyway, your EQ goes off the charts, which prepares you for being a CEO. I'd say those two things are, are the, the mental toughness and the EQ has definitely kind of been the best for me, or or, or at least helped me the most. Dave, I'll, I'll start by saying you're probably one of the smartest former NFLers in my network. So if that if that's uh, anything. I don't know how many you know. You might only know three. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I was going to attribute the, attribute it to the people you've surrounded yourself with. May I add, I'll add Annalise to that perhaps, maybe? Sure. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, an all great, great, in, in full fairness and, and compliment. I think, you know, from the first time I met you, I thought you were really well versed. And one of the things I thought Chris was actually going to ask you, and maybe I can have you comment on this is you sound so eloquent now in the business world. Had I not known that you were a former NFL player, I probably wouldn't have guessed it because I don't think you look, you're right. I don't think you look like an NFL player. You may look like you, someone who grew up in Silicon Valley. And so, you know, just how did you even adjust your mindset, right? From on the field to, to the boardroom. So I, I think you answered that by saying just having that level of EQ and mental toughness developed on field. So oh, don't get me wrong. I still got a lot of locker room in me or uh, I, I probably have some HR issues that arise every now and then, but like, I don't know. You just, you just, well, okay. So, so a good example was like in the NFL, you're just supposed to figure it out, right? Like you get in there, it's like any sport. Like I, I watched my daughter play her first basketball game on Sunday you just kind of roll the ball out there and you figure it out, right? Like, Hey, here's some basics. This is a jump stop. And this is how you, the goal is to put the ball in the basket and to stop the other team from putting the ball in the basket. And as complicated as sports get, as it gets uh, to the top, it's also the most simplistic form is like, my job is to beat the guy in front of me. And this is the route I have, but like, you gotta kind of maneuver, you gotta figure it out because how I run a route is way different than, you know, Andre Johnson, who's six two, way bigger, way faster, way stronger than me. I got to figure out how I do it, and I think like that is something you 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 do in business as a startup. You're like, here's what it looks like on a slide deck, and my job is to convince you to give us money from the slide deck. But how it looks in real life is like wildly different, and which is why like whenever I think about investments, I'm betting on jockeys. Like, yes, the idea is there, but like how it's actually going to be done is like maybe three of those slides are relevant, right? Like, it's like, are you willing to shoulder the burden when like no one else believes? Are you willing to like fly to Charleston, South Carolina and like monitor athletes when no one else can do it? Like, there's just things that you have to deal with as a CEO and 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 when you're running a business that like, there's no playbook for. Like, there's kind of like a loose diagram of what you got to do, but you got to beat the guy in front of you. And for business perspective, you got to win the day. You got to win that kind of opportunity and you've got to put one foot in the front of the other. And then also there are times when like you lose and you made a bad decision and you got to kind of let it go and, 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 and keep going. Cause there's a lot of that in the startup and the business world in general, but especially the startup world where you're like, man, we bet on, on this aspect of the company we're wrong. And it doesn't mean we're, we're all wrong and the whole thesis is wrong, but 
this approach was wrong and that's okay. We'll go, we'll go this way. Right. Right. I also think that there, unless you're in the business of like drug discovery or like very specific new tech development, very rare is an idea completely novel on its own. Right. So you're really investing in the founder of the team, the execution strategy altogether. And so just to bring it back to breakaway and where you are today, you and I spoke about the company a couple of years ago and We've always talked about just the impact that you wanted to bring to athletes and players with regards to their own data. How do we collect it? How do we give it back to them? How do we package it? How do we bring it to market? Help demystify some of like what that means. Because I think in the since we've last spoken, an onslaught of companies in this space coming in, right? Saying that they're going to help the athlete, they're going to help the team, they're going to help the league, help the consumer, right? What space specifically are you playing in? Like, give us some use cases. When we first kind of envisioned Breakaway, it was, we knew that athlete data was a category that was coming along. And what I mean by athlete data is, you can say there are like four different data sets that go into an athlete's record or athlete data, right? There's your on-field performance or your game stats. There's what you do off the field for training and whatever you are you wearing a catapult device when you run are you jumping on bald force plates are you are you tracking is there something in your insoles whatever that's so that's your training information there's wearables right which now everyone kind of wears monitor sleep or maybe they're a whoop and they're doing you know how much did i drink and how does that affect my strain right so that's the wearables that's your third bucket and then the fourth is your medical records right and so those are the four buckets of information that's made, that, in my opinion, make up a complete athlete record. And I knew those are valuable to the team. I had been part of that firsthand. I had seen how much money they spent on hiring personnel to make sure that they had the right personnel to analyze those records. I knew that was valuable to the league because they were paying for technologies like Second Spectrum to install eight cameras in every place, multi-million dollar contracts to, to extract this data. And so you ultimately knew that it should be valuable to the athlete. At first, I didn't even think they were aware of a lot of this data that was collected. Of course, they're aware on stuff that they collect themselves or that they wear themselves, but there's way more of that out there. And to be honest, having played in the NFL, even a lot of our medical records we're not really aware of in terms of like, you get banged up in the middle of the game, they'll run you into the back and do a bunch of x-rays on you and then sprint you back out into the and, and go play. Like you don't see those records. It's not like when you or I now go get our whatever, our shoulder check or our shoulder from falling from falling down. Like we know we set an appointment, we talked to the doctor, we did the x-rays, we went for a bet, we did it all like that doesn't exist in the leagues. They, like all of this information is collected and used by people, very oftentimes never the athlete. And so I always knew that collecting that information would have a ton of value for the athlete and their team. And by mean their team and their agents, so their coaches and, and the people that surround them. And at the very end, end of those people that surround them are fans, right? Is that like they're interested in the athlete. They're interested in this information, but they're not interested in a data format. They're interested in a story format. And so it was really coming up with like over the course of our company's careers, like what is the format you deliver athlete data? And like that, that is the, that is, that is the difficult part is like, you can have a database, but if no one's buying your data, you got to kind of lead the lead the lead the horse to water to say. And so that's uh, that's when we created the app, which essentially became our container, and where we put all that information. And leagues and teams have been like, "Yes, we want to give our players access to their information. We'll purchase your product." And so that's when really we started to see some see the snowball effect start happening. Is is, is when 
is when other players and other leagues and other teams see that some athletes have access to everything that they've ever done, they're like, well, we should give our players that. I, I don't see anything wrong happening, right? Like, what's the worst case scenario if if if, if all my players understand their injury records? I'm willing to bet they'll pay more attention, which means they'll probably be healthier. Right, right. So breakaways in the business of, and like pulling together all these different pieces of data, making sense of it, and I guess the secret sauce is really presenting in a format that the end user here, in this case, the pro athletes can consume it to better their athleticism, right? That's a fair way, fair way to describe it. And then there's there's probably like two or three kind of secret sauces. One is just kind of our, the background of everyone in the building, starting with myself in terms of like players and people that are actually, you know, on the field that, that know what the appetite and the time constraints and the issues that players have when they do view their information, right? It's it's a lot different than you than, than us as normal citizens. And that like when are they going to look at it? Oh, they're going to look at it right before practice. They might look at it at a bye week or there might be some situations. So you have to meet them where they're at with the product, right? You're right. Visualizations are key. These are 22 year old athletes that like, you know, they're used to seeing some charts, but they're not going to read a Gantt chart. They're not going to read a lot of you know, it's got to be bar graphs, even a spider graph kind of is like annoying, right? It's got to be interactive and it's got to be stuff that's pretty clear and how it articulates it. And like, you don't get a lot of space on these things. So you got to figure that out. But I would say the, the thing that we have gotten the most value out of late is that when you are a data company, you're an artificial intelligence, you're a data science company. And that was not something that like we were like shouting from the rooftops and like, here's what we are. We're all AI. We're all AI. Cause I knew the first problem was organizing the data in one place. But when you think about how easy it is to create recommendations and insight engines, if you only do that from your own data, like I'll use Whoop as an example. I love Whoop, but they can only give you insights from Whoop. I can give you Whoop insights connected to your Apple Health insights, connected to your Oura Ring insights, to connect to your Catapult insights, connected to your GameSat insights in one place. So I can reference all of that data and provide an athlete a much better picture of what's going on, why they're having issues, and stuff like that. So in a way, our secret sauce is that because we have access to this data, we can be like a sports scientist on your phone. Right. I was actually at, I mean, since talking to you very deeply on this topic a couple years ago, you guys have been on a like a race, right, to every league. I also think the winner in the space will be the ones who's able to get their platform into as many athletes, leagues, teams, federation, clubs, you name it, right? The winner yeah. will be the one that's present, omnipresent, if you will. For sure. Yeah, I mean, there will be, we've already seen a couple of different uh, competitors in different categories and take a slightly different approach. And it means it means we're on the right in the right going in the right way. So it's always scary if what are you the only the only restaurant on the block? That's not a good thing. So so I know that we're we're going in the right direction. And people kind of believing what we what we're what we're preaching. The 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 fun and and, and kind of difficult part is some leagues and teams are a lot more forward thinking than others, while others should be because our product is more valuable. For obviously, I, I think our product is probably most valuable players who injure the most which is NFL players, but the NBA moves much faster than the NFL. So like, and that's the difference in the normal market, right? I know exactly who our product would be more valuable for. You can kind of give it to them. You can build that product for, but like, you can't do that in sports. Sometimes the league or the team that you know you want to work with most is not ready for you. And so you got to kind of figure out who to work with. So you go with those first movers 
for us, that's been uh, the uh, the MBA and the ATP, and you kind of you, you work your way around that, and you start growing and growing, and then eventually uh, the other leagues hear about you and, and uh, what you're doing, and, and they come along. Yeah, I was going to say congrats because you just got ATP MBA on board with the rest of your roster. Some of our listeners are sort of in that space with their startup where they need to get to that point where that inflection point where they're able to spread their businesses to as many places as possible. And a lot of people think it's like investing in BD, pick up the phone, getting on a plane, selling, right? Your 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 software, your platform, whatever it may be. What do you think it was for you that like enabled you, obviously besides your pro athlete connections got you, you know, got breakaway into where they are now. I wish I had a great answer for that. And I wish, I wish there was an answer that worked for, for every business because I'd sell it. Um, but the, uh, you never know who, who might, who might hit though. What, what worked for you? A lot of, I mean, a lot of it is that boots on a boot. You've got to get out there. Right. And like the problem with the professional space and the B2B space in a lot of ways uh, in, 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 in professional sports, it's not a marketing game, right? You can't just like market your face off and, 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 and get the NBA to sign up. Like you got to know the chief medical officer of the NBA. And so well, you got to figure the right person. Yeah. You got to find the right person. And I would say that has allowed us to shortcut some of that process, right? We didn't have to go in low level and then wait two weeks to get the phone call with this guy and wait two weeks to get a phone call with that guy. And then he canceled on zoom so that I get to talk to this person again. And then I get to go back to that. Like, if you can have that direct phone call into a league, and here's the thing, getting a no is fine, right? That means if, if the NFL says no, not right now, then stop calling them. Then find time to go to the other person who's going to get you. I think people in the sports space get obsessed with logos. Yeah. And you're like, sometimes that works and it looks fancy on decks. And then you look at everyone's deck and they got logos all over the place. And you don't, and it's tough for real people to tell, like, which one of these contracts are substance and which one of them are just kind of like kind of work. Well, like you got, that's that, that'll show, that'll show itself, right? Like you, if you can talk to CMO and you get him to talk to the investors or he does the sale, helps you with the sales call and stuff like that. Like right now, like that, that's, that's, that's crucial in our business is those relationships with the higher level people, those leaks to help us solidify our product as well as our business. It goes back to your point about having strong EQ, right? Assessing, is this the right person that's going to advance me forward or not? Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to actually punch back to something you said earlier in, in one of your answers to Chris. You said you didn't major in math or computer science because math didn't mix well with football. I bet you probably think otherwise now, right? <laughs> A little bit. A little bit. There's just so much. Okay, so let me get straight. So I asked that question because I want to know what you think, like in the future. I want to like kind of. Okay, I'm talking about more as like I'm 18 years old and I have to pick a major. And I look at what all the math classes were. They were like an hour before practice when all the speech communication classes were like at 9, 10, and 11. And I was like, I'm going to do those because then I would have like an hour and a half before practice. People that like did not play sports in college do not realize how difficult it is to go through the, it, it is not a normal college experience. When I talk to people that are like, oh yeah, that was my favorite teacher. I never got to pick a teacher in my life. There's no, I never got to pick a class because of its teacher. It was what time would I, would it fit into my football schedule? There's a football schedule. There's what I have to do. And then there's all the pre-meeting stuff and post-meeting stuff. And then, so what classes fit into this? It wasn't the other people were like, oh yeah, not, no, I didn't get any of those decisions. It was like, Math classes just ran into, ran on too long. I would have loved to take one or two, 
but like, yeah, it just, it just didn't work. And I don't, and I wasn't willing to try. <laughs> Good major in both things, but now you are in the sort of real world, if you will. And you, you just see a lot of math making an impact in the football world. Right. And, and I, I want to ask you sort of closing out here, you know, where do you see beyond just breakaway and maybe full breakaway into this in performance science, data analytics and sports tech at large, like next five years, next 10 years, where's the puck headed? Well, there's not going to be a. All right. Well, this is I'll answer this. I'll take a step back. I, I think that the sports industry has been, is runs on it, it's a media business. And and we're downstream from that data, right? And so, like, the media industry is in a very interesting space right now. And I think a lot of people are just kind of, like, pushing that under the rug because the NFL still has, what, like, 93 of the top 100 watch shows of 2023. Okay, that's great. But, like, if you ask the Baltimore Orioles, what is going to happen when you lose out on that, like, $26 million check from the RSNs? Like that means I'm not signing four players that I would like, you know, or maybe maybe actually for the Orioles, probably seven players that they would normally like, and that affects players and that affects contracts. That affects those decisions. And when you're not spending as much money on players, you're not spending much money on performance. You're not spending much money on sports science. And so, the media industry, in my opinion, needs to get in the next four or five years needs a new hero, right? And I think people thought that social media would 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 fix that, and, and it certainly has filled some gaps here and there, but like, that's not what it was designed for. It was not designed to supplement RSN contracts. It was, it's, it's, it's a tech that lets me, you talk to me and, and Chris and to hear a conversation we have and to share in individuals thoughts. Whereas like that's TV was, a, is a different type of medium. And so I, I'm interested to see what happens there. And I think that will affect everything downstream in terms of what's specifically happening in performance science and sports science. The amount of data collected is only going to grow. It's only going to get a lot cheaper, which means it's going to go further and further downstream. It's going to get more and more accurate as it gets more and more granular. It'll be less and less subjective because right now the data that is typically extracted is of someone who used to be a physical therapist and working on knees. And now they have a device that really analyzes knees, right? And so like they got really good at that. Well, now as the tech gets cheaper, more and more people that were just specialists get to they get to scale their own knowledge about the space, right? So like it blows my mind that my friend's 37 years old and got his hip replaced. But like that is going on, right? And so like that world is what we're running into where that specialization of that information is growing and growing and growing. And that's only gonna have a, a bigger effect on kind of the data space that I live in, the more personalized information we're going to get. I think all the Apples and the Googles and the Amazons agree that the end user is the owner of this information and they deserve to have access to it and they'd be able to restrict it and do what they want with it. And so as more of that data is collected, it's really, it'll be interesting to see how it's shared, how it's moved from person to person, how it makes its way into the media world, how it makes its way into the gambling world. I don't have all those answers i certainly pay a ton of attention to the thursday night amazon prime bro uh, broadcast when they put the data that i worked on six years ago with sexton spectrum is now making its way to tv the, you know I, sometimes i wonder I'm like am i six years ahead of this because that's all it's long so like you, you gotta you, you think a lot about that but i, I i'm i'm certainly obviously in the space i'm bullish that more and more and better data is being collected and there's been a lot more little wins lately and that like you you see 
the consolidation in a lot of the youth sports space has allowed a lot of new technologies and for like that that mom and prop uh, industry to grow up. I can watch any high school football game pretty much anywhere now. That's wild. Women's volleyball is blowing up, and now I can watch basically a lot of college women's volleyball. Soon to be able to watch college uh, high school club volleyball, and so like just like I said, data follows media, and so like if that industry is growing, data is going to fall right behind it, and that 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 gets me excited. Yeah, I think spot on. I'm tracking to everything you're saying. I, I love what you said in the beginning, just the meaning of having a new winner in the media space. I, I think we're in the midst of a, like a generational shift in tastes altogether. Like it's not the Z's as the alphas and they're a completely different breed altogether. Like how they think about sports, how they even process and take in data. And so I, I'm with you in in kind of long for the ride, really excited to see see what's ahead. I'm curious what, what you think, like, so you work, you guys have worked in this space. You've seen like different technologies. What, what, what were ones that you guys were sure they were going to work that were not in terms of data and tech or, or, or health and wellness? Because like that, those are the ones that I feel like we don't learn enough from because like, I thought, I thought, what was it? Uh, what was the one that raised like a hundred million dollars and they were going to charge you a dollar to watch the last fourth quarter? Buzzer. Um, Buzzer. Like I was like, Oh, that seems smart. I get that. Like, it, it follows all the 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 whatever Deloitte reports that we hear about Generation Z and how they want to watch TV, but yet it it failed miserably. Yeah, and I wonder if that's a case of like millennials thinking about Generation Zs and having had access to all the right research papers of like what they like and what they prefer, but where they kind of miss. And I'm thinking out loud in this answer right now is: Are they willing to pay for it? How much is that worth versus the stack of other stuff that they are looking at? Somebody's TikTok stream, somebody's Insta, like, you know, like how valuable is that versus the other things, right? And so, I mean, we can probably go on and kind of pick apart all the different ways in which they may have had a miss. But my guess is there's something amiss in terms of the market sizing of things. It wasn't as big. While it probably served that segment, right, in terms of what they want. Like, do I wish I could have like filet mignon every night? Absolutely. Do, do what I would I pay for it every night? No. If someone gave it to me for free, I would take it kind of thing. I love it. Right. So my guess is that. I mean, Chris, I don't know if you have other thoughts on 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 that one. Where my mind goes to right away is Peloton. Right. I think it was 80, 80 billion dollar market cap at one point. It's probably about four billion now. One that you thought, well, A, you didn't think it could have got that big. And then the pandemic hit. And it got that big. And then B, how does it how does how did it fall so fast? And I think with that one, it got too big too fast, right? And it got too big for the wrong reason, right? People couldn't get to the gyms, people couldn't access certain things, so they ordered Peloton bikes. But then they started trying to control distribution, marking up the margin, upcharging on subscription, and they kind of got over their skis, right? And they hired a bunch of people, spent a ton of money to try to keep up with the demand. And then when the demand diminished a little bit, you know, that that's when you saw, you know, all the, pretty much all the numbers just fall decreasingly down. And then there was layoffs and then there was lawsuits for people getting injured and all sorts of things. So Dave, that's, that's the one that kind of comes to my mind is, is Peloton, but there's still yeah. a lot of kicking and some might say, Hey, they're only four or 5 billion and that they're a failure, I would disagree because that's still a freaking big number. If you tell me I'm a failure of $5 billion, I'd be like, you call me a failure every day. Well, <laughs> but, but I want to 
answer one thing you said though, like what are some of the things that you thought could have made it, but didn't make it not just like in startup, but just maybe this is not a question we answer, but I thought we leave everybody to think about and ponder about is on that whole connective fitness world. Maybe there's just too much gadget. I feel like we're moving to a world where it's like, I don't know how to describe it, like more seamless, like more ephemeral, more in your body. Like I don't even need that stuff. Like I have technology I've purchased. I'm like a gadget freak and I purchase stuff to help me meditate and all this stuff. But like, maybe you don't need all this stuff. Maybe it's like one device. Maybe it's one chip. Maybe it's like one goggle, one contact. Like, I just think we need to move to fewer things. I'm with you. That's just a thought. That's just a thought. I know that's why all those things are out there. I don't know if we need it. Or maybe we just move in general, right? We have all these gadgets, but we, we could just go for a walk for 20 minutes and meditate as we walk, right? Why don't we just start there instead of buying all these gadgets? And, and going from there. And now we want to close out with our fire rounds. So Dave, I'm going to say a statement or ask a question. I want you to give me the fastest thing that comes to your head. Okay. Go for it. Ready to play? All right. What was the best piece of advice someone gave you during your transition from the sports field? Uh, just that was kind of like a, just do it or like jump, just go stay busy. It was just like, Keep moving forward is probably the right way to phrase it. Yeah. Don't think, just do kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like the more you sit and wait for the perfect opportunity, the more you realize it won't show up. And then you look up and spend three years and now your resume is terrible. And everyone's wondering what happened to you the last three years. Like just keep moving forward. Carpe DM. I love it. Where do you find your inspiration? I've, I've been a, uh, I'm an avid reader. So I kind of turn through books and uh, kind of find it. Quotes. I'm, I'm kind of, I always like a good quote, and sometimes they speak to me. Sometimes they really don't. But I would say I find a lot of inspiration in different books. My 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 uh, my favorite book of all time is The Arsenal of Democracy with Henry Ford and how he why he built he built all the planes for World War II, uh, essentially. So like kind of like I, I like a good business personal book is uh, kind of been my most most recent inspirations. Love it, love it. What are you currently geeking about right now? Um, I'm a big. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how we can hack into Apple Watch's challenge mode, and that like the only thing that really gets me to pay attention to my not only but the, one of the main things that gets me to pay attention to my Apple Watch and actually doing it is to beat my friends. Uh, I challenge two friends, and I've never beaten them. And we find out all sorts of ways to hack it to get to get your points. I mean, it's obvious you can like log walks, but like. We've been pretty creative on stuff that we've logged and what we've done and what you chart in there. And so I found I find that the 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 hacking of the Apple Watch and what that does pretty fun to get into and kind of dive into the data science. Like why is why is a hit recording more than a cross trainer? If I do the same movements, like what is it actually calculating? And so love it. You're gaming stuff. <laughs> love it. And lastly, who are your top two mentors? So I got a business school uh, one. His name was Malcolm Cloyd. Uh, Malcolm was spoke to our class one day. He was a former professional soccer player. Like he's older, like you know, way back in the day. And uh, he ended up uh, working in the oil and gas industry outside of Houston. So I walked up to him after class and basically introduced myself. And I was like, can I take you out for coffee? I'd love to hear how you transitioned from sporting career to working in the oil industry. Uh, and I was like, by the way, I lived in Houston for six years. Where'd you live? And so we kind of bonded over that. And he's been uh, a mentor to me for a long time. And it's funny, like he was like one of those guys you don't really ask to be a mentor. They kind of like slowly happens over time as they realize this is their role. And I was like, 
I remember one day at lunch, I was like, by the way, you know, I referenced you as like a mentor. I don't want you to find that like uh, offensive. He's like, I know. I was like, all right, cool. The other one is a dear family friend of mine, Howard Kalmanson. He is the single largest communications owner in the United States. He owns all the radio, the Chinese and and uh, Hispanic, uh, Mexican, uh, not Mexican, uh, Spanish-speaking radio stations kind of across the country. And I talk to him a lot of times about scale. And if there's anyone that talks to me about simplifying the sell, it's him. He's like, you work in an industry that like a bunch of nerds talking money ball. He's like, no one cares about that. He's like, I sell radio. He's like, I sell ads. He's like, that's what I do. And I had to simplify that for people for a long time. So he's been... Uh, he's been a big uh, mentor of mine for, for as long as I've been around since you know, I didn't really have a dad in my life. He stepped up and been that person for a long time. Right. That's great. It's great role to have. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. We really enjoyed having this conversation. It's good to see you again. And hopefully we'll catch each other in Vegas. Oh, good plan. <laughs> <laughs> Better plan that, guys. <laughs> hey, start right. resting up now, Dave. Electrolytes, IVs. Yeah, we need all the health, uh, the health and wellness of gadgets and devices we can find for that visit. Yeah. Okay, guys, take care. Thanks for listening to Ludus Capital's Frontier X podcast. For more information on the episode, the podcast, or Ludus Capital, please visit us on our website at www.ludus.capital. Be sure to subscribe to our show and follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Insta to stay up to date on all things sports tech and venture capital related. And as always, thank you for tuning in.